uh, we're going to continue on tonight um, with, actually, let me, um, let me give Will Portillo the ability to record. Oh, he has the ability to record. All right, never mind. Will Portillo is going to record. He's on it. Um, so um, we're going to continue on through our spiritual disciplines. Um, and so uh, those spiritual disciplines are going to help us in three areas. We've talked about this personal walk, spiritual friendships, and the mission. And so uh, those spiritual disciplines are going to help us in those three ways. And what you're probably finding is that as you go about these spiritual disciplines, that they're all helping you in different ways. Perhaps the study and meditation are helping with personal walk or confession and prayer are helping you build deeper spiritual friendships or evangelism and service are helping you toward the mission of God. Uh, and so, so all these things are not just meant to be a one week uh, flash in the pan, but hopefully as we learn, uh, we can implement them week after week after week and practice them. And maybe some we've, we've gotten out of the habit of, like confession. Maybe some we've never done before, like meditation. Um, but tonight we're talking about one that's relevant because Cody and Brittany mentioned it Sunday. Um, and it is the discipline of, drumroll, it's the discipline of submission. Uh, the discipline of submission. Uh, and so, uh, Hun, if you want to pop over, Jenny's going to share a little bit. But what I wanted to mention first was if you notice Sunday from our passage in Ephesians chapter 5, um, is that the Ephesians chapter 5 section begins with this verse, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it is that verse that governs the entire section that follows of Ephesians. And you can kind of think of it as an umbrella, that that, that verse, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, is an umbrella above everything that follows. Everything that follows being wives submit to your own husbands. Uh, husbands, love your wives and give yourself up for her. Um, children, obey your parents. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Um, by the way, it's worth mentioning that the slaves back then are not the slaves that we think of now. That is, it was not race-based slavery. It was not the, the horrible, abhorrent institution that we've come to know uh, and regret, regret, regrettably know too well in a lot of cases. But this is a slavery based mostly on debt and a slavery that's almost more akin to our employee-employer relationships in America. And so he's saying, listen, employers treat your employees with respect. Employees treat your employers with respect, your boss. Uh, fathers, don't exasperate your children, right? And so all of this is under the umbrella of a communal ethos of submission, a, that as a family, Yes, there are, there are specific areas in which we are to submit, and we'll talk about that. But in general, we all are called to submit. We all have to begin with a heart of submission, or else, or else we are in danger of, of going down a road that too many have gone down. And the, the discipline of submission is one of the most manipulated, one of the most uh, uh, deranged, one of the most uh, uh, mutated uh, disciplines there is. And people have used it to, to abuse people. To hurt people, they've used it to, um, to to put others down. But but hopefully we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But we can really see what it is about submission that is so Christ-like. But we also have to understand that that the goal is not submission. Uh, just like all the disciplines, the goal is not the discipline. If the goal is the discipline, that's called legalism. The goal should be the freedom that the discipline brings. And so we, our goal is the freedom that submission brings, which we're going to talk about. Our goal is not confession. It's the freedom that confession brings. It's the freedom that prayer brings. And so that's what we want to focus on tonight with submission, especially one that's a word 
that causes so many of us to have many feelings um, and also realize that this is not a very popular word, especially in the West. Yeah, I think that um, thinking about submission, and I know we had talked about it on Sunday, but it is this word that we just have a really hard time with. Um, I know that for me, it I've come to learn how much more it's been harder to submit to God. And I think that that's the first area that we have to consider with submitting like our like as it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ are we really submitting to God and to his plan that he has for us and the the will that he has for us in the future and all of these things that he's calling us to do and so i think it it for my heart it starts there um and so i and i think then with relationships it's for me i think that's um I think I can fall to the side more of like actually letting other people kind of um, tell me, you know, what to say, do all of those things and that I can fall to that and go to the more doormat. That's my nature. Um, but I think um, what I have to remember that submission is not not having opinions. Um, and I think we all have them, which is great, but we have to remember, um, is our happiness dependent on having our way? Is our happiness dependent on having those things that we so desire and that we will like put our flag in the ground or however that saying is, um, dig our heels in, like, will we, are we doing that and are our happiness being dependent on that? But I think when I think about God, and my trust in him, that's really what brings about submission or what makes it possible to really submit. And I think I have to, in my mind, really think, and this is something that's come to me more recently, is do I really trust that God sees me and God hears me? Because if I do, um, I won't waver. You know, I'm willing to then follow him. I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to make him Lord when I really believe that he sees me and he hears me. And so I think this Amen. trust, like if I really trust in God, I w it will lead to this surrender and this peace um, and all of these other things. And it's that freedom that Drew was talking about. I think it's more burdensome trying to be the Lord of our own life or continue to live in a way that's self-pleasing, but really it's freeing to submit to God because he is trustworthy. So. Amen. Thanks, hon. That was Jenny Mines on submission. Back to you, John. Um, no, just kidding. But um, submit to one another reverence for Christ. Submission, all of our favorite topic. Um, not really, but one of the most convicting topics, I think, that any of us have really studied. Uh, this passage here talks about not just submission in, within different life stages, but submission to human authority. How challenging is that? To the emperor, uh, the, the people that Peter was writing to were being killed, burned alive for being Christian. And Peter says, submit to the human authorities. It's not even spiritual. It's a human authority. What are we supposed to do? How do we know who to submit to, who not to submit to? How do we know what submission is? What if we lose ourselves in submission? What if we lose our identity? 
What if I just get soaked up in somebody else? I have a voice. I have a creative individual voice. Am I going to lose that if I submit? Am I going to lose what, what the original drew if I submit to somebody else? Uh, uh, how, how do we know who wins? You know, what if we all, you know, don't submit? And so this is a massive issue. You know, a lot of churches have split over this idea because they insist on their own way. The idea of submission, we often think about um, submission, and sometimes it's actually, a, we use it as an athletic term, uh, and we think of this more often than not, we think of wrestling, to submit somebody is to physically dominate, to subdue them. But the word submission in Greek is just to order yourself beneath another person, to submit, to, to put their interests before your own. That's all submission is, okay? To put someone else's interests, to put someone else's concerns, to put someone else's livelihood before your own. Submission, okay? Voluntary submission is, is this what this is? But this is difficult, and especially for a lot of churches. How many churches have split over the type of songs they sing? I know of several, right? I mean, people, sometimes we think we're fighting for this, this sacred thing, but in reality, we're, are we just insisting on our own way? Are we insisting to the point that we actually cause breaks, you know, where, where we insist on youth and family has to be this way, or teens has to be this way, or songs have to be this way, or my family has to be this way, or this, the sermon has to be this way, or my job has to be this way. And we, we get so like, we get so many, so much control, so much focus, so much, it's got to be this way. But submission actually allows us to enjoy the freedom of not needing to get our own way. And that's a beautiful thing not needing to unburden ourselves with needing to get our own way. You know, some of us, we don't get our own way and we stew. We stew over it for weeks, for months, for years. And then when it goes wrong, maybe we say, I told you so, you should have listened to me. And, you know, we can, we can grumble, we can complain. And we can, this is a really, really big spiritual discipline. And it's a difficult one, especially in a culture that doesn't see this word as something uh, as very popular or even something that you should do. And the fact that mankind, humankind, for thousands of years has abused this discipline, it makes a lot of us kind of go, ah, I, I don't know, is that so good to do? And, and, and that's a shame, I think. But I think we have to be also very careful, very careful that we don't manipulate or abuse this discipline in the same way. You know, submission is a discipline that brings the freedom of not needing to get our own way. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. You know, and like I mentioned, many churches have split over this, many people have stewed over things that didn't go their way. You know, a lot of us have children, right? And they throw a fit and they don't get their own way. And we can kind of see how, how kind of ugly that is. <laughs> like they didn't get the thing they wanted and they just lost it, right? But how different are we? How different are we when we don't get our own way? Um, now this is the heart of discipleship. This is the heart of what it is to be a Christian. And I think that's, that's where this discipline probably different than some uh, there's a scene uh, when Jesus is on the path to Jerusalem with his, with his apostles and Mark. And the apostles are, are arguing, and I have it up here on the screen, Mark 10, verse 35. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask. That's interesting, right? We want you to do whatever we want. Okay. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let us sit at your right and at your left hand in glory, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink, baptize with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will, by the way, drink that cup, and you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. 
When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. You know, this comes right after Jesus heals a blind man who, sees, who thinks he sees trees walking. He doesn't quite get it. So Jesus has to heal him again so that he can truly understand, so he can truly see people for who they are. And the apostles do not quite understand what discipleship is. At the heart of discipleship is not Jesus do for us what we want. The heart of discipleship is we're going to be servants of all. We're going to subject ourselves. We're going to subordinate ourselves. Uh, that's the revolution I'm talking about. Um, the, the book uh, by Foster says, on the contrary, Jesus calls us to self-denial without self-hatred. Self-denial is simply a way of coming to understand that we do not have to have our own way. Our happiness is not dependent on getting what we want. You know, Foster talks about the, the, the sub submission. Most people do, do one of two things with submission. One, they reject it completely. Say, submission? No way. I am my own person. I am my own individual. I have thoughts. I have opinions. So reject it. And you know what? Self-glorification. And so then it just becomes about, I'm going to do what I want because it's going to make me happy. Forget everybody else. I'm taking care of number one. I'm taking care of me. I'm getting mine. Okay. Maybe we don't say that. Maybe we feel it. The other thing is to actually embrace submission, but in a harmful way, in a way that leads not to self-glorification, but to self-hatred, to where you actually hate yourself and you just go along with what everyone else wants all the time. You're compliant, but you begin to hate yourself and you actually are subsumed into all those that are around you. But there's a third way. The third way is not self-glorification nor self-hatred, but it's self-denial. And it is this way that actually allows us to have a deeper understanding of ourselves. A lot of times we think, but if I submit, I won't be able to have self-understanding. Really? If I submit, I'll lose my identity. How? Why? When on Jesus, on, on the road to Golgotha, did he lose his identity? When Paul heard the call from God and said, I'll show you how much you should suffer for my name, did Paul lose his identity? Did Peter lose his identity? When he obeyed and when he finally died, right, upside down, being crucified, I would argue that they actually came to a deeper understanding of who they were in self-denial. Not, not, not a, they, didn't, they actually came to a deeper understanding of their identity. Now, we think about revolution, and a revolution is usually, this is a picture from the French Revolution, but revolutions usually have a bunch of people on the bottom. They get mad. They take over. They develop this machine, which is called a guillotine which is a nice way of removing the head of somebody in a nice clean fashion. And the French did this of all the kings and queens, Marie Antoinette, all those folks. They said, you know what? This revolution, you've been looking down on us. We're going to put you down and we're going to be on top. And if you know anything about French history, it did nothing. It didn't help. It, it, it uh, basically had the whole country be a, an instability for a long time. But what's beautiful about revolution is Jesus comes on and says, I have a revolution for you, but it's not going to be one where we go, you know what? You take a, a spot at the back of the line for a while and see how you like it. That's not what the revolution Jesus was that, that, that he brought. But Jesus's revolution was simply a revolution of how we view each other, how we see each other. And the beautiful thing about submission 
is that it actually does lead to freedom. It leads to a freedom of not having to care so much about getting your own way. Because what you're doing in submission is you actually care more about other people's welfare. That other people's plans succeeding and yours failing actually can result in you celebrating. That other people doing well, other people making it, other people getting to sing the songs they wanna sing can actually make you happy even if you don't get to sing the songs you wanna sing. That's crazy. I'm, ha I'm just so happy that they get to sing the songs they want to sing. You know, it, they, you know what I mean? Like, that just sounds like, like ridiculous. I'm just so happy that they got to make it and we didn't. But there's something in submission that, that's incredible. But that's the heart of the revolution that Jesus brings, is not to look down on people, to finally get up so we can look down, but, but to be able to actually view people as still up there. What's so, what's so revolutionary about Paul telling wives to submit in Ephesians 5? Were wives already submitting to their husbands when Paul wrote that letter? You're, you're darn tootin'. I just used the phrase darn tootin'. Uh, you, you're better because you know what they were told? Because they were women, and women are less than men, therefore submit. Paul says, no, submit still, but don't do it because you're a woman. Do it because of Jesus. Husbands, sacrifice for your wife. He didn't say slaves start a rebellion. We're going we're gonna to slave revolt. Here we go. Upend the system. He goes, slaves, no, no, no. You're going to actually stay subordinate, but not because you're you know, intrinsically inferior. No, you're our brother. Women are not intrinsically inferior. They're our, they're our family. We are, we are all brothers and sisters in the family, but we are all called to a mutual ethos of submission. And when he tells slaves to actually don't, kill your master and become a master. No, respect your master. That within the system, that we are called to subordination, but not because we are less than others, but because we want to follow in Jesus's steps and that Jesus was the one, the great subordinator. And it is in this way that we can actually learn to love deeper and love deeper. And what I mean by that is love unconditionally. Uh, when we only love people in as much as it relates to our feelings, uh, we, we do this. I love the way you make me feel, right? I love you, but I, what, I really, what I'm really saying is I love the way you make me feel. But when you stop making me feel that way, I reserve the right to remove you from my life. It's, it's, it's not really unconditional love, is it? It's just conditions. But Jesus comes along, and even though the apostles are arguing, Jesus, give us whatever we want. But Jesus doesn't love the apostles because of the way they make him feel. He loves the apostles, period. He loves the apostles, period. And that's what unconditional love is, that Jesus put your welfare, your desires, your happiness above his own. And in that way, he revolutionized the entire world, that that is what changes the world. And by the way, those disciples, those apostles, the reason they couldn't die with Jesus, because when they, when, they, when they come to kill Jesus, they scatter, they run, every man for himself, because they were still concerned about their own desires. But what, what happens to those guys fast forward a few years? Andrew, on the left there, is crucified diagonally. And when he's crucified, you know what he says? I have long awaited this happy hour. The guy at the top there, um, Thomas, being stabbed through by spears in India. Right? He's killed for taking the gospel to India. You think our brothers and sisters are grateful for what Thomas did? But Thomas is there. He's dying. 
he's finally submitted his life. He's finally put the desires of others to the point, uh, ahead of himself to the point of death. How about the guy in the bottom right, Polycarp? He was 86 years old when he was burned alive. And he said, God has not misled me these last 86 years. In fact, the God that I serve will keep me still even as I burn to death. And Polycarp burned to death and didn't move an 86-year-old man. These people were able to finally submit. They were finally able to say, you know what? Even if it means I die, other people's needs, other people's desires are more important than mine. But even that, God's will is above my own, which is at the heart of Jesus's incredible statement, thy will be done. And church, I think if we, if we do this, if we can have a, a submission mindset, what could, what's possible in Charlottesville? What's possible in our family? I think the thing that destroys the church quicker than anything else is, is seeds of selfishness. And this is something that we all, I think, have to take a good hard look at is submission. And there are, I'm going to go through a couple practicals here because I think there's a lot of questions on submission. But I just think in general, I think w- w- we've got to take this seriously and we've got to examine our hearts daily. Submission is a tough one. But being able to actually put others' desires before our own, it's so easy to, to just grumble, to complain about what we want or what we need. But church, what a great freedom. I think, I think the freedom is worth it. The freedom from needing to have our own way the freedom from needing to have control. I think that's an incredible thing. Now, just to close out, there's a couple questions. There's like seven different practicals here of who we should submit to. Obviously, number one, submit to God. Thy will be done, right? We are submitting to God. Number two, submitting to scripture. Are we submitting to God and submitting to scripture? Sometimes those aren't always the same thing. Number three, submitting to our family. A lot of us have responsibilities with our family to put the desires of our children before our own. To put the desire, when we as men really care about our wives to the point where their desires and their fears and their concerns matter more to us than our own, when we're considerate, we will give in to them. We will, we will sacrifice ourselves for them in the way that that passage in Ephesians 5 calls us to. But does the desires of our wife matter, men? Uh, singles. Uh, this is an incredible passage for all of us. Yopros, empty nesters. We are all in relation to one another, right? Neighbors, friends, submission to put other people's before our own, right? Submission to the family of believers, submission to the broken and despised, and finally submission to our global community. I think all of these are things that we should strive to, for different ways we're going to strive to submit. But there's a lot of questions. When do I submit? How do I, how do I not just get trampled? Trample, trample, trample. How do I not just, you know, be, be destroyed by people? Um, well, if it was there, maybe we wouldn't need to be dependent on God. But I think we do need to learn dependence on God, when to submit and when to not. And there's a great rule of thumb uh, that, that's mentioned, uh, especially when it comes to human authority. When we submit to God, we submit to God. No questions asked, right? But when, what about when it comes to our bosses or our president or our governor or our teacher? Some of you are students, your professor, your boss. They're, they may not be in spiritual authority, right? So we, do we submit to them? How do we know when we don't submit to them? Well, revolutionary subordination commands us to live in submission to human authority until it becomes destructive. It's a great rule of thumb. Um, and I think there's, there's a line there that we got to find, right? I mean, if your husband, wives, tells you to 
hurt your kids. That's an obvious line. I'm not going to do that. That's destructive, right? Because Peter in Acts, when he's confronted by the authority, says, judge for yourselves whom we should obey, you know, God who's above or man made of clay, right? Like, we, we're not going to listen to you. But then Peter writes First Peter and says, obey the, obey the authorities. <laughs> so I think that there's a, there's a balance. But when it becomes destructive is when we say, no, we're not going to go along with that because we're not going to destroy. And so it's going to be a lot of advice. It's going to be a lot of, we're going to have to figure out what that means sometimes when your teacher asks you to do something, your boss, um, or kids, your parents in some cases are not Christians, teens. Maybe they ask you to do something. What do I do? Dad asked me to do something. What do I do? Well, you submit to your dad, but is it destructive? You got to learn to think that way and be able to learn to draw those lines. So this is the, the, the question for breakout rooms. Uh, we're at 740 right now. If you'd like to jot that down real quick or take a snapshot or a screenshot um, of that. But we're going to be in breakout rooms and you can end breakout rooms whenever you like. Uh, if there are any, any prayer requests as usual, please put prayer requests in the chat so we can be praying for our brothers and sisters. But I pray, church, that we can take submission seriously. And if we have questions or concerns or worries, um, let's ask about it. Let's talk about it. Let's get help. Um, but, but I think that in general, it begins with all of us having a conviction that we are going to put the needs and desires of others ahead of our own and that we're not going to make getting our way be the root of our happiness. Our happiness does not come from getting our way. Amen. Our happiness comes from God getting his way and others getting their way. And that is truly revolutionary. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.